0: and welcome everybody to another episode of my independence report i am got to tell you i'm very pleased to be here today except for the fact that it's going to be 100 degrees here in seattle washington i can't believe it's going to be 100 again this is the fourth day of the year that it's going to be like that in any event so if i appear to be a little moist i am but i'm sorry there's not a whole lot i can do about that but today we've got an extraordinary guest and um I've been wanting to talk to her for a while because she is dynamic. She's been around the world multiple times. She's a corporate executive, and she also is a a world-renowned feminist and is is taking care of women. She's got a brand-new book out. It's called Call Me a Woman, Our Way to Equality and Peace, and I couldn't agree more. I'd like to uh, uh, welcome uh, uh, Lori Levine. Levine is correct, correct?
1: 11, actually. 11. It, I knew it. I <laughs> I had two choices. You were close. You were yeah, close.
0: Every time I think about going to a casino, I I, I never go because I have two choices and it generally is the wrong Goes choice. the
1: wrong way,
0: huh? Yeah. Yes, so, Lori, welcome to the Thank show. You so Laurie.
1: much. Really an honor to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: I got to tell you, it is exciting for me because you are in the forefront of taking us to a place where we are going to have to go to eventually anyway, okay. and we might as well do it sooner rather than later because we can actually save people's lives wow. and, and give them,
1: a, that,
0: and because if we can give people an opportunity to understand that, that it doesn't matter what your gender is or, or mixed gender or big, whatever, you're, you're still a human being. And we need to treat treat each other with respect and with love. and it I can't imagine you know i'm i'm a <laughs> I'm an old fat white guy, and I can't imagine what it's like being being a, a woman growing up in our society today. It must be really, really hard,
1: wow, you know, and I really appreciate you just recognizing that, you know, so I acknowledge you for that, and I think that conversation needs to happen a lot more. In fact, you know, the United States is the 10th most dangerous country in the world to be a female. So that's, that's in the ranks with uh, India, Syria, Somalia, uh, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, we are the 10th. And why? Really? is Yeah, no, it's, it's traumatizing really to be female. I've, I've been sexually assaulted so many times in my 20s. That's the first chapter of the book. And something I didn't talk about for 30 years. So it took me until my 50s before my siblings even knew what happened to me in my 20s, my first year of college, which happens to so many young women. So, yeah, it's it's a it's and nothing's really changed along those lines. And that's what's really heartbreaking, I think, for so many of us that have been around as long as I have. You know, well, we're you, still-
0: you, you've seen a lot Uh, In the corner. We've seen a
1: lot and we've experienced a lot. And then when you look and see, oh my gosh, there we're still dealing with the same stuff. Now, you know, I want to celebrate all the wonderful changes and the things that people are doing out there in the world that we couldn't have done, you know, not that long ago. However, there's still a lot of work to work to go. So thanks again for just understanding that point.
0: You're 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 more than welcome. Well the, the the interesting thing is, you know, and I we talked about this on a recent show that uh some people may not be aware so it bears repeating that a hundred years ago in this country women were not allowed to vote
1: right
0: uh, that's mind-boggling to me because they are such an important part of the electorate now and they are in many cases a lot smarter than us old old folks old, old white guys and and but it's just been a hundred years of that um, but I'm I'm heartened because there some there are some good things, and I'm sure that you see some good things. As an example, what happened to the uh, governor of New York recently, uh, which was uh, he got called out for inappropriate behavior uh, by by multitudes of women, at least 11, as far as I know. Oh. And he ended up having to resign because the pressure became intense enough, which 20 years ago, that never would have happened or 30 years ago. They would have poo pooed it and said, "Oh, these women! What do they know? They're just..." That's right.
1: That's so right.
0: it's we're making progress. Do you think so?
1: Well, what was interesting about when he spoke? You know, when he came on and spoke and was oh, saying that. he was resigning, and he talked about how the line had changed. The line has not changed. <laughs> the line has not changed. And so again, when a man feels entitled enough as I experienced myself with hands down my shirt on a subway, hands up my shorts while shopping with friends. Um, I could go on and on and chapter one certainly does that, but you know, the, that was always inappropriate. There was nothing appropriate about that. And some of those women with him experienced that. So, um, you know, uh, racists don't feel they're racist, sexists don't feel they're sexist. So I was just really happy to hear him say what he said, because that's a reflection of how he's viewed, views himself still as an entitled white guy, right, with all the power he has. And the conversations after were wonderful. The journalists now are many women, right? We see all these women now journalists who are sharing, because that would have been unsaid as well just the commentary afterwards about his line that he felt was uh you know had changed over the years so it is all the women journalists that pointed out no it was never cool andrew that was never cool
0: <laughs> never cool never appropriate and uh we need to tr- treat each other with respect and that's not how that works um you you can't but, you know, absolute power, if a guy feels like he's powerful enough and he surrounds himself with women who are trying to do the right thing, um, it puts them in a horrible position yeah. when they, when they get into a situation like that. Because what do you do? I applaud the, the young, the first lady who came forward uh, because that broke that broke the glass ceiling in that particular case and allowed the others to come forward. Uh, to make it work. So somebody, and I don't know her name, I don't know that we ever will, and nor should we, mm-hmm. um, but she was an extraordinarily brave human being.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's why women, and like myself, are able to speak out and feel more comfortable because there are more women around us now in, in positions of power where we know this it makes sense. They've gone through it themselves, or they've had a sister or a daughter or mother that spoke about, you know, the horrors of whatever they dealt with at the, you know, in the factory, in the manufacturing plant, at the restaurant. I I, I think about all the women, you know, women in, now in power, you know, the women that were able to call him out, have that kind of support. But I'll tell you, my heart goes, as I thought, for those women, certainly. I've been there. I understand what they've gone through. The women that don't feel they have that voice, you know, they're in the hotel room, cleaning the room. They're in the in the Factory line. They're in those fast food restaurants where managers take such advantage of women. And again, you know, it's this conversation that can make a difference. But that's why the diversity, you know, in leadership, um, it makes such a difference. And we have to be really aware, I think, every time we're allowed to vote for something, make sure you're voting for diversity. It really is key and can save a life.
0: Well, I'll tell you, I grew up in the restaurant business and was a general manager and worked worked in the business for a long time. There is a segment of the population that believes that um, even as even as as a as silly as you might think of a restaurant manager, um, believes he's got power over a hostess or a waitress, oh. he can control their schedule, he can do all this stuff in and, and it it's it's a sad it's a sad thing and I I've, I've personally seen it. Uh, I've actually fired a couple of guys because of it, uh, because that's just not appropriate to do to other people.
1: I worked with that as well when, in my teens. I felt I faced a lot of that, and it was horrible what they did to us. I won't go into the details here, but just to say that it was such abuse of power. Now you,
0: you and I are, are a little bit longer in the tooth, um, so we've seen <laughs> a lot over time. Right. Um, has it Because I, I grew up in the 60s. And the the 60s and the 70s. And um, you never heard about any of this stuff back then because everybody was quiet about it. They were scared to speak up. And when uh, the occasional one, uh, one of my favorite lines is that uh, a driven woman is a bitch. A driven man is a hard-hitting, no-nonsense, take-no-prisoners kind of guy. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. That's wrong. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it starts really with how we're raising our children, girls and boys with separate identities, boys focusing on power over people, right? Competition, win uh, at all costs, right? And then we raise girls really to subjugate themselves, to sacrifice themselves for that cause. So we're all part of the problem. And we're all part, and the good news is we're all part of the solution. So the book really takes us through that and gives us a roadmap, you know, to close the gender gap. Because you can say, "Well, I respect women," as Andrew Cuomo said, right? He, I respect women. I respect women as he's putting his hands up, you know, in your skirt because he feels that's appropriate, right? That's appropriate behavior. So when, let's get back to that identity. And so I talk in the book my first habit of equality of the seven that I uh, cite in the book is raise our kids equally with one identity a human identity based on care compassion kindness right so it isn't about power and winning at all costs it's about feeling and caring about one another right
0: absolutely and And, and
1: that's the that's the thing you know we got to start with our kids certainly there's other habits of equality in the book that are there for you know non-parents as well but um if we aren't changing the way we're raising girls and boys you know, it's like mopping up the floor, but we're keeping the faucet running. So let's get to the faucet.
0: It's part of that seven generational rule, which, which is that what happens to a father happens to a son, and then he becomes a father and it happens to his son. That's and right. it, unless there's somebody that is willing to change the generational uh, uh, program that is instilled in that family, nothing will change. And yes, yes. I'm... Glad to see, in, in some cases, not all, because clearly we've still got major problems. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm a guy, but I guess I need some help here because you're going to have to explain to me why, with all the things going on, with, uh, with the Me Too movement and, and with women actually being being safe enough to be able to talk out, why would the governor of New York do that? It just amazes me. Why would you do that? Do you have any idea?
1: Well, again, when you have been raised all your life, that that is appropriate, that women, you know, are there to serve, to be sexual objects. I mean, the images are everywhere. And women are buying into this, too. I mean, I'm not blaming victim here at all. Again, I think we're all part of this because we're all raised, right? I, I always quote Stephen Biko, the South African apartheid activist, Uh, who said the most potent weapon of the oppressor is the mindset of the oppressed.
0: Oh, good point.
1: So we all buy into it. So equally, we all have an opportunity to be part of the solution. It's no excuse for abusing and raping and killing. No excuse at all, obviously. There is no excuse for that, right? However, if we want to get to a solution, we've got to acknowledge what the source of the problem is. And so... Um, this is something that you know. He power. When you look at how you define power, it's power over people, and that's the male identity. And and the, a very significant part of the male identity is to dominate women. It's always to dominate women. You get the name in the family, right? The pronouns are all he. Mankind. <laughs> History is all about men. You got it all laid out for you, really, from day one. In that respect, and so when. You know, you're brought up to dominate women, and you see it in your home. You see it in TV. You see it in the movie. Wherever you go, you see it. It's reinforced, and it's yeah. changing. It's changing.
0: you you just brought up a really interesting idea that I had never even considered because it's it's is uh, part of our uh, cultural history. And that is when when a couple gets married, the the uh, woman loses her name and picks up her man's name. Which, on the face of it, looks is rather silly. Actually,
1: thank you. Yes, yeah, and it's, it's <laughs> unreal. I remember my brother saying he can't believe it still goes on. You know, it's really an archaic tradition that women typically don't even question. Men, there might be questioning more, but only about twenty percent of females in this country keep their last name. All three of my sisters, I'm proud to say, have the last name of Levin. They are married, and. Uh, and I never changed my name. So uh, and nor did they. But yeah, so it's, it's an option, you know, and it's up to the individuals, obviously. But it's a conversation that needs to be had. And for men, I'd love for them to, to just think, OK, if you're not willing to change your name to hers, don't expect it of her, please. <laughs> Help us out. <laughs> don't expect it
0: well you know we 've got our we 've got our societal roles, and the man is supposed to go out and and kill the bacon and bring the bacon home and the wife is supposed to create a a warm and loving home and and uh, have the children and take care of them that 's how I grew up. My mom and my dad were very traditional um married for over fifty years, wish they weren't married for over fifty years, but they couldn 't divorce because of the 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 way it was at the time. And uh, this is goes back to the 50s and 60s. And uh, right. but they but they had their defined roles. And my dad didn't feel like he needed to be in, engaged with the kids. And so it was her job to do that. And that's that I'm glad to see that's changing to some extent because mom sure. and dads need to both be active participants in raising their children
1: absolutely and by choice if you want to you know work outside the home either gender any gender right you should have the option to do that i mean isn't it amazing that we assign roles at birth before we even get to know the person it's really an incredible um, process and the you know it's like you're you grow up in the same household yet you have two different trajectories in life right the toys that you're given and I talk about that in the book, the toys really set you on a very different trajectory if you're a girl or a boy. And the boys are given toys that actually foster creativity, intellectual, I've got a little bug flying around me here. But you know, all those things learning and so forth and so on that girls aren't necessarily exposed to. Now that's changing too. But as Gloria Steinem said, you know, we raise our, 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 we're raising our daughters more like our sons, but unfortunately we're not raising our sons more like our daughters. So when that converges and we go into the toy store and they say, oh, hello, how are you? Who are you shopping for today? And say, you know, a six-year-old. And they say, girl or boy? Well, the response is, it's a six-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm buying for my six-year-old, uh, for six-year-old relative or six-year-old, you know? And the gender, I would always say, I said it a million times, gender doesn't really matter. I want to get a, a fun, you know, an act of toy that, you know, I just want to get for this particular child that I know, right? That they will like, and I like to look for those things that foster, you know, good creative uh, development, problem solving, those kinds of things. Things they can have fun with, building toys, things like that are so good for kids. And not to say, oh, you get this and you get this because of genitalia. Ah!
0: Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I want to talk about this because it is <laughs> truly interesting that. Uh, there are in so many instances we are just and it happens with race as well um but in so many instances there is institutional sexism in what we do and everything as an example you got a little girl that likes to run and jump and climb trees well she's a tomboy um she's not uh she's not considered a powerful girl in her own right because she loves to do that They assign her a different label. Oh, she's a tomboy. She'll grow out of it. And, and it's, But I'm not sure that we should be giving that message to that.
1: Child. No, and it's the same thing. I'm, I'm so glad you point that out. You are awesome. I'm telling you. <laughs> you are great. No, I appreciate that because it's wonderful, that level of awareness that you have. I talk about being called a tomboy in the book. It's oh, just good. like calling dad, Mr. Mom, right? Right it's the same darn thing and again it does a disservice to the individual right there and and certainly to the kids growing up to hear those things because it's girls wanting to play an active something active with a ball and a whatever a net or a ball in a cage or whatever it's 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 just a girl or a boy or it's a, a they you know i mean the pronouns oftentimes don't even make sense anymore. So, yeah, and I grew up uh you know my my sisters and I were very athletic all through school my we're all still major sports. I was just at the Red Sox Yankees game a couple weeks ago. My whole family we went, um including my daughter who lives in another country uh but uh everybody was there and, and what do we do when we get together? We'll go to the the Red Sox, we'll go to the the hockey the pro hockey games or basketball games, you know, and we play sports ourselves still today, and we're all about seventy. <laughs>
0: well and, and 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 joy to you as well you should a lot should,
1: of joy it brings us joy
0: you should be able to do anything that you choose to do that yeah, right. physically that you can do without hurting yourself um but but that's we, the
1: biggest concern today
0: boy no kidding no kidding because yeah. <laughs> well you it,
1: swing a bat and it's like oh my god you can't get to first base because you're limping yeah
0: exactly or are you or you can't swing the bat anymore but but <laughs> I, I, I because it's it what is exciting to see is that that we're making changes yeah. however we still have got uh and i don't know if you follow world well you've traveled the world so you understand
1: not as much that, as i'd like to but you give me a little more credit for that than i than i probably do but go ahead
0: um, but uh, what's going on in Afghanistan right now is, is
1: heartbreaking. Uh,
0: it, it really is heartbreaking it's because heartbreaking. the Taliban are interested in subjugating women to a subservient role and based upon uh, what they perceive to be Sharia law, which I don't necessarily think that it necessarily is. But they so those girls and those women are going to have a very difficult time in their lives stepping out of the traditional roles. And it makes it really hard for them. And that's something that we should be concerned about.
1: Well, in the last couple of years, so many have. They're in schools now, they're in professions now, and and they're being, you know, obviously that will not continue as they continue to take over one city. I know they just were able to take over Kandahar, I believe. So it's yep. it's a major issue. It's heartbreaking. It's where my Uh, focus goes every day. When I look at the news, I look to see what's going in in Afghanistan. Uh, It's devastating to the country's progress. It's uh, it's just heartbreaking because when girls are educated, you change a country. Women put 90% of their income back into the family versus a man's 30 to 40 cents on a dollar. Women put 90 cents on a dollar. That's life-changing for the children when you pay women equally in this country, we would wipe out uh, poverty levels. I mean, the poverty levels would go down significantly. Three million kids would be out of poverty, just like that if you paid women equally today. It's just staggering the difference that, obviously good financial security, that's important for all of us. And uh, women will put it back into the family. They have fewer children, fewer health crises. All kinds of things. Everything goes in the positive direction when we keep girls in school.
0: Yeah. Why is that so difficult for some people to believe? Or to Well,
1: it's you won't maintain your power. That's how the Taliban maintains power is to keep women suppressed because women will not allow them to continue to do, right? What happens when women get into power? We're going to start focusing on everything that they don't they don't want. It's all about power there, right? It's money, resources, power. Again, it's all back to that same identity, uh, all based on power. And so p- part of, again, the male identity universally, this is not just Afghan, Afghanistan, the Taliban, is to dominate women. And to that extent, you know that's a much a greater extent, obviously. But it's something that wasn't happening, as you pointed out earlier, that long ago in this country. Women couldn't go to school in this country. No, Back in the 1800s and late 1800s, you know, higher education levels were unheard of. So they were know. they
0: were expected to follow the traditional role. Right. And and they got pushed into it, which is homemaker, wife. And, and <laughs> I have to laugh because I have some friends that even now, uh, that because of the economic situation that we find ourselves in, both parents have to work. Um, they, have, they they really have to bring in an income. And yet the so the wife goes off to work, she gets the kids ready, gets the kids off to school. Then she goes off to work. She comes home. She makes dinner. She does that. Husband comes home, reads the paper, looks at the the TV and maybe has a beer. And uh, so it's not an equal division of the responsibility. Women are just taking on more. And uh, that's also causing its share of problems, isn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if you look at, for instance, I was just reading about December labor numbers, 140,000 jobs were lost. 100% of them were female. Men had a net gain in employment in December. This were, you know, p- pandemic days, obviously, December of 2020. Well, why? Because women feel most responsible for or feel that they're the only ones really that are gonna be able to care for the children perhaps in the way that the children have been cared for before. It's not gonna happen, there'll be gaps in all of that. So they leave their jobs. And so this is a major crisis uh, that's happened in this country, this pandemic, of course, globally. And in terms of women, we've lost maybe 10, 15, 20 years of progress as it relates to women in the workforce and equal pay. This is a major setback. So
0: it it, it is. I can't imagine why, you know, I, 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 okay. I can't imagine why I don't agree with it, but when an employer, I, I know of a gal, she did the same job as her male counterpart. She got paid less. She found out she got paid less. She went to her boss and said, why is he making 20% more than me? And her boss's response was, well, do you have a family to take care of?
1: When was this Kevin? recently uh-huh. yeah said, wow really i mean that sounds like something out of the 60s 70s right 80s maybe tops
0: that 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 attitude is still prevalent out there because uh, she and the other thing is a a a nice looking woman is viewed as being oh she's just a cute thing rather than being being looked at as an, an intelligent human being who can do some important work and can do some important things, uh, it's just it's just mind boggling to me right. how we view how we view it. But I wanted to, I wanted to ask you I wanted to go back in time. Hmm. Let's go back in time. Did you think forty years ago that you'd be sitting here talking about a book that you'd written um,
1: forty years ago in my twenties? No, I was a uh, Working on my undergraduate degree. I got my MBA then. And so I was a business person. All a solid you know, that's all I could think about was getting to work early, 6 30, 7 o'clock, getting the next promotion. So talking to an older white guy in on the West Coast <laughs> for, on a radio show. No, probably not. But it, it's it's I'm I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I'm here
0: there was an evolution to your life now i know that there were some horrific parts of it um there was some sexual abuse and there was rape and there were those things what Why? motivated you to take this step and to say no i'm not going to be silent i'm going to write a book and i'm going to tour the world basically and talk about this issue because it is important
1: Oh, that's a wonderful question. I appreciate it. You know, it's started for me having lost my mom uh, to cancer at 11, the age of 11. She was just 39. And after, um, you know, a little bit of time and going to school, getting into middle school, seeing it felt the same at home as it did at school. And then it felt the same at home as it did in, in business, right? As I started working in in the restaurant, it was like the values, the jokes. Sexist, very sexist, very male. Those traditional male values, right? Of speak less, feel less, get get to work, make money. You know, it just became the same thing. My mom created the home life, the nurturing, the caring, the love. All our stuff. She was my champion for the things that I wanted to do in life. That evaporated. It was also at school where the boys had there was more attention given to the boys. The cheerleaders went to the boys' games. They didn't come to our games. We were on the court and I was playing softball and tennis, you know, all those things. There were no cheerleaders inside. So again, it felt very much the same. So it was the lack of that, again, traditional female, those values that we were lacking in our home afterwards. Although I had a wonderful father, a very loving father. He was raised to be kind of the, you know, the guy that went to work, came home, didn't say a lot either, and really didn't know much about our lives as kids. Now that changed over time. Um, But again, you know, it all matched up. And so as you're getting into business, and you're moving up in ranks, and you're realizing, wow, as a woman, I'm really having to morph into something. I'm changing, you know, I'm having to adjust here, the same thing that I had to do at home in order to survive, really, and get the attention. So um, it was about 15 years ago, And after dealing with a lot of sexual assaults, as I said, not until my 20s and being in college and then going out into the workforce, did this happen? But about 15 years ago, I read a news story. A young woman was raped and murdered. And it just brought such sadness to me, overwhelming sadness that another, that was, I was just very close to that. That could have been me back in my 20s. I was close to having that happen to me, not living through the the incident. And so I thought, wow, what a tragedy to have her life end in a story like that. And I wrote a poem, and I called it "Call Me a Woman." And so it starts the book, and it's "Call Me a Woman." You know, how long must I wait? Who do I have to be? Um, please tell me before it's too late. You know, how much, how much longer must I wait before you'll call me a woman? It's the time that we call women women instead of girls and ladies and chicks and all these other things that have other meanings to them like we call men, men, instead of sales, girl, let's call them sales, women, instead of bridesmaids, let's call them brides, women. You know, it's all these other words that we use that denote a difference. And it's at the time that we call women, women, we're going to pay women equally, we're going to vote for them equally, all that needs to happen for society and a country and a culture and a world really to heal. And I'll tell you, when you close that gender gap, and you look at the countries that are real close to it, there's a the champions list of nine, we call them in the book. I call them in the book. uh, It's just to look at their quality of life to see what they're doing in their countries. And And interestingly enough, all of them but one, Sweden has been led by a woman. So when you overlay women leadership on top of looking at this global analysis that I did in chapter eight, it's really, really clear, whether it's the electorate or the woman's leadership matters not really. The point is, That level of diversity is what's changing their countries so that people are enjoying a much higher quality of life than we have here in the United States.
0: It's interesting because I've in the podcasting world, I have been doing some musical podcasts. And so I've been talking to people from Sweden, from Finland, from Mm -hmm. Norway. And they're and they are just different. That's
1: them. Those are them. Those are the country.
0: Yeah and they they're just different. They act differently. They talk about their their wives and their daughters differently yeah. than they do yeah. here. Yes. It's it's and it's a yes. cultural thing that they've propagated and they're moving forward in a, such a real positive way. They still think that we are you know like dragging our knuckles on the ground which a lot of us unfortunately are. Um and it, it, but it's an enlightened way of living. And uh, they they really are working on the family of of the roles that we have the working together to make it work and then taking care of the least among us so that a gal that that for whatever reason doesn't or a woman who doesn't have the educational background it has to be a waitress and she has a child well we need to have daycare for that child so that she can work and continue we need to make college free so that people can can go to school and 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 lift themselves up. Um, we we're we're so far away from that. Yeah. Now th- there's some stuff in Congress that I'm hoping will will come will come true. But, you and me both. <laughs> but there there's there's some real dynamic differences between us and other countries. Oh,
1: it's, it's I, so uh, it's when you go. I, my daughter lives in Dublin, Ireland. It's one of the champion countries. Oh. It took me about the third time there where I really because you know you go, you're kind of a tourist in the first couple of times you go and you're like ah! everywhere you go and how gorgeous and how the cute accents and all that kind of stuff. And then you just start to kind of just get into the culture and sit and talk with people in the coffee shop, you know, and you just feel the difference, just like you're saying, Kevin. You feel it. You know, their school, um my daughter's fiance he he only paid school fees. He has no bill from college at all, you know, versus our kids, which are coming out 40, 50, plus thousands of dollars in debt. Um, He had a medical issue and there was no hospital bill. He walked out of there knowing, and it was test after test after test after test. Not a single dollar did he owe. These are extraordinary. If you have a child, you've got months off, mom and dad. Right. Extraordinary things. And I'll tell you, the guys, the men are loving life. Living this way with para- equity, right? They are loving life. They don't have to be something that they're not. They get to be taken care of and cared for like they're taking care of and caring for their family. And it's it's just a mutually, you know, it's just a mutual thing and it's a given. And here it just feels, oh, wow, so distorted, doesn't it, and the way people are living. And we just see the impact when you have a crisis like we've had, who has been hurt the most, those with the least? Women, people of color, right? Yeah.
0: You know, and I was struck because I've actually formed a a real good bond with one of the uh, singer-songwriters that is from, I believe, Finland. And uh, he's he's a great guy. And it's not like relationships in the United States between men. We tend to circle each other. And because we're competitive and we're, and we're, what have you done? And I've done more and my house is bigger and my car is nicer and stuff like that. And so we, and I, I really, and I really wish that we could have, that us men could have a relationship like, like women have because you take away that competitive stuff and you re- replace that with nurturing, caring, and loving. You guys have much closer relationships than any of the men that I, that I am around.
1: Absolutely. And I'll ask you not to call me a guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? So that's one of the things we do. We wouldn't say to a group of men, you gals. So that's part of being kind of subsumed in that mail. But I love what you said. I really do. I do. And men, I'll tell you, why do you think you live 10 years less?
0: Oh, I know. <laughs> I know, I know. Can I answer? Can I answer? Can Please? I
1: answer? Yeah, I'm asking. It's, I want to know from the guy. <laughs>
0: it's it's because of the stress. It's because of the lack of fulfillment and it's the lack of passion. It's the lack of living your life to its fullest and allowing everybody around you to do the same. Um, we yeah. tend to yeah. shut everything down and if it doesn't go our way, we shut it down some more and that that ends up causing us severe pain over time.
1: Yes, yeah, and that you know that took me a long time to get because I was pretty unhappy with the the male, half of the species.
0: Well, you deserve to be be
1: 10 years. uh, The the twenties were tough, you know, going from one nightmare to the next. I mean, I was driving home one night from my dad. I'll never forget it. It's about 10 o'clock at night. Guy pulls up next to me. He yelled out something out of the window. And at that point, everything made me nervous. Guy yelling out of the car, guy coming up to the car. I mean, you know, if you... Read chapter one. You'd understand why everything was is was jarring and still continues to be actually to a to a fair um, extent. And he got mad at me because I, I turned left. He was in this other lane and he swerved into my lane, followed me to my apartment. And it was just the scariest thing. One of the scariest things I've, because he was just all over me screaming out of the car. I don't know what the deal was, what he said, even I couldn't hardly hear it. I think he might've been asking for directions. And unfortunately there was a party going on at one part of the apartment complex and I pulled my car into it. And I sat there just shaking for about 10 minutes and I saw him go by me, you know, but getting then driving to my apartment, I was just so afraid he'd see me, you know, follow me into my apartment. Uh, But, you know, just something like that is really something that's not that uncommon for women. We go through that. And on the last podcast I did today, uh, the woman shared with me that her boyfriend was surprised that she said she wouldn't go out and run a little bit past, you know, six o'clock, whatever time in the evening. She says, oh, my God, I would never run that. I would be terrified. And he just he had no sense of that. You know, so they had a conversation around that. And that's what we'd like more men to
0: understand. I had an epiphany the other day.
1: Hmm. What was yeah. that, Kevin? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it didn't, and honestly, it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt much, but it, it was, it, it was an enlightenment that I got that, that see when I was younger, I was an athlete. I was a boxer. I was fit. I didn't feel. I felt like I could go anywhere downtown Seattle at night. I could do anything and I could protect myself. Mm-hmm. Now I'm 64 years old. Mm -hmm. I've had rotator cuff on this side. I've had surgery on the other side. I've had both my hips replaced. I can't do what I did years ago, and so now um, there was there was a a sound on the outside of my house, and I thought, what if somebody's trying to break in? And normally it would have been like, I can, I'm tough, I'm strong, I can, and but I felt fear, and I. it was vulnerability, and I was thinking to myself, good God, when you're uh, 120 pounds soaking wet, and you've got a 250-pound, uh, uh, lack of a better word, asshole, that, that is, is doing something that you bad to you the fear must be immense and that's why she can't go jogging after six o'clock which is a crime we,
1: we never have the feeling i can protect myself in those situations you know just ourselves if you've got somebody breaking in it's not like oh i'm gonna i mean some women might i don't want to say that some women that all women feel that way but not many of us I'm, I'm about 120 pounds five five you know soaking wet kind of a thing And I'll tell you when I I still remember walking up those dorm steps when that young man and he's he was probably six, five. He was the star basketball player. Grabbed me from behind, yanked me into the trees under the side of my dorm. There's just nothing you can do. There is just no movement. I just felt like a ton of bricks fell on top of me. I couldn't move for a, a You know, I couldn't move an inch. So that feeling, that vulnerability, like you're saying, Kevin, and thanks again for thinking about that, you know, for having that moment where you actually thought about that. That's the kind of stuff that's going to change the world, is more conversations amongst men, men, women and men, women and women, sharing. Hey, you know, when you do this stuff, it really kind of it perpetuates the inequality. And on the other side of that inequality is is a rape, is a murder, is a shooting. So, you know, we are powerful people in the world. I mean, we could do anything. I really do. I, I'm so hopeful, and I, I really do believe that. And the book is filled with hopeful stories. But we've, we've got a lot of, of uh, stuff to push through, that's for sure, right now. We've got our world cut out for us.
0: Somebody is asking, did they catch him? Did he, did he pay for his crime?
1: Well, and, you know, that's something I talk about in the book is a bit of a regret, uh, because back then I was in another country. Um, Not that it would have changed if I'd been in this country, I have a feeling. So I asked myself, was it the lack of courage or was it the lack of support? Laura Bates states it well, she's the author of Everyday Sexism. She wrote a book, she's out of the UK. And all these women just started writing her as she said, what's with up with men? When I walked down the street, I was harassed. She said like five or 10 times this day or something. And so she just started a tweet or a, a post and she said, who else? and she got thousands, tens of thousands of women writing in. And she said, it's the li- it's the invisibility and the acceptability of the problem that has us not move forward. And then when we do report, look what happens to us. Look what happens to the women. Uh, you know, you lose a job, you lose, a, that's a livelihood, right? That may be your kids don't get fed. That may mean you don't, can't pay your rent. So these are serious things when you go forward at a school and you're naming a basketball player, right? Or you're naming a CEO or whatever they are, manager of the restaurant. These are these are major things. And you do not feel the support is going to come at all. Our current legal system does not protect women. Women have no constitutional rights other than the right to vote. We cannot get the ERA passed after a hundred years. We're still working on that. And that to me tells a lot. And the reasons keep the goalpost, because I'm an athlete, you know, an athlete from a kid. I <laughs> use the sports here. The goalpost keeps changing. You know, in the early 1900s, it was because the female we didn't have the stamina to work a full eight hours. Then in the 60s, 70s, it was co ed bathrooms and we might get drafted. Look how all that, you know, it keeps changing. And now you know, it's an arbitrary deadline, or, oh, well, the 14th Amendment covers it. Well, if the 14th Amendment covered it, we wouldn't have needed the 19th. That's- <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I could, you know, I write these letters to Congress people and I hear about the 14th Amendment all the time. In my comments back when I write the letter, then we wouldn't have needed the 19th Amendment, would we? If the 14th Amendment gave women constitutional equality. So talk with your Congress people, please, and let's get that ERA. To the finish line we are very very close but we need the support of the majority of this country who actually believes it's already passed
0: you know <laughs> you know it's interesting how can we how can there be people that i mean by its very name equal rights amendment how, how can how can that be an issue for anybody that uh, that that equal rights is somehow a problem
1: it's, it's unbelievable, you know, but again, it goes back to, uh, I'll tell you, I, I moved to, to South Carolina a couple of years ago from St. Mm-hmm. Louis and, but I was in Missouri saying that, but you will hear in some circles that they still think it will be de- the demise of the American family.
0: Yes. Yes. and you know, it, I wanted to go back to, yeah. long ago. We were talking about, and we were in the top 10 of countries that we don't want to be in the top 10 of. Yeah. How, how did we get there, and what what was the criteria that was used? Wow, what a question.
1: Well, let me throw a few statistics, and I think I only have to share maybe three or four of them with you for you to understand. Every six minutes, a woman is raped in this country. That's probably every one minute because it's underreported that much. Every nine seconds, a woman is beaten. And now in my book, I say three women are murdered every day by men in this country. I read the other day that's five. So I'm always willing to update and I, you know, I want to continue this work and write another couple books. So um, right now we are hearing five women are murdered every day. Now, when we talk about African-Americans shot by police officers, I kind of, I looked up the statistics. It's, 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 you know, it's enough to make you want to, your skin crawl and go jump into a rally too, because it's, 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 it's terrifying, Right that somebody might go to the store and end up in that way or get pulled over in a car and end up being shot. So videos and so forth, thank goodness we have all that. So we are aware of that and talking about that. There's about 250 African-Americans shot in this country a year, about 400 and something white people shot in this country a year, I believe are the more recent statistics. So African-Americans as a percent of total populations is about 13%. So obviously that's way off. But think about this, actually, if the truth is five women, it's at the low three, that's 150, right? Women a month. We're not talking about 10 or 20, 30, 40. We're talking many times that. Yet how many people are talking about the murders of women that go on every day? And in fact, mass shootings, most mass shootings are estranged wives, girlfriends, and their children and family members. That's the the bulk of mass shootings. How many times, though, do you see in the newspaper the mass shooting in so-and-so's home? It's it's more commonly at the employer or the restaurant or the university or the school. Those are important, obviously, but what happens to women, unless it happens to men, we don't pay a lot of attention to it. That was the purpose of the book.
0: Well, and thank was you for there? writing it because it's, it's really... It's important to get the, the information out about that. I had no idea. I, I knew it was bad. I didn't know it was that bad. bad. Um, you know, and.
1: And the most dangerous. Imagine India, Syria, Pakistan, Somalia, Saudi Arabia, Yemen. These are the countries where that's the list we're in.
0: See, and you wouldn't think that, you know, you'd think Saudi Arabia. When I think of Saudi Arabia, I think of women having to wear the, you know, the head-to-toe garments and they can't drive a car and they can't do all this. Well, we're close, apparently, to that.
1: In terms of danger, in terms of livelihood here, in terms of what we deal with. And it's silent, right? Again, the invisibility, acceptability of the problem keeps it pretty quiet, pretty locked up.
0: Well, it's got to be really frustrating, when you are physically abused, when you're raped and and then you go and you and and you report it and then you become
1: yeah
0: a problem and, and, and they're 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 telling talking to you like you're not the victim, that you're making the guy that did this awful thing a victim and did you did this really happen to you or you just That's the saying?
1: institutionalized part of sexism and or racism.
0: Yes, and if, 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 it's it's the same thing, you know. If uh, um, heard somebody say recently the other day, if if Viagra were for if were yeah. for women, uh, they would be illegal, and uh, if right. um, men needed birth control, they'd be free.
1: That's right. And if you know, men uh, were the ones giving birth, there'd be no discussion of abortions. No. So anybody, you know, I, I just yeah, I'll listen to you if you want to talk about that. But it's the truth. It's the truth. If men were the ones giving birth, they would not be talking about abortions at all, of course, right. And women wouldn't either in the in most cases, I don't believe that they would because again, what we accept for men is so remarkably and stunningly different than what we accept in terms of behavior for women.
0: If, if men had to have children, we'd cry like a little baby.
1: Yeah, like a little yeah, baby. it'd be tough. To, you know, I read the other day, it, you know, guess how many hours, Kevin, a, a, a stay-at-home parent puts in raising their children per week. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, per week. That's right, per week.
0: Uh, stay-at-home mom or dad. See, yeah. or dad um, I would say 80 to 90 hours a week.
1: Wow, you are good. No wonder you're getting paid all the big bucks doing what you're doing. <laughs> That's right. 98, 99 hours a week.
0: Well, you think about it. They, they, they have to get the kids up. They have to get the breakfast and get them going and stuff and then get them off to school or wh- whatever the, the activity is for that day. They don't get to put it down until the kids go to bed that night.
1: There's no vacation time. There's no salary the raises. There's no nothing. Right. So then somebody's going to ask and ask the listeners to take this in. So the next time you say, she doesn't work, <laughs> I want you to rethink that. And the next time you say, he's the provider, I want you to rethink that. She's providing, he's providing just as much at home. They're providing, to use that pronoun, right? They're providing just as much at home. So we're all providers, we're all workers, right? We're all caring for children at home, regardless of where we are. And when we come together and we are raising children at home, there needs to be equal, right? Equal work at home and very serious discussions about that because women are raised to take on more. And then that's why their salaries are less, because they're taking off more time, or though the ones, right, that are taking off sick when the kids are sick. All these things hurt. And we have just been devastated by this pandemic. We've been set back, you know, 10 or 15 years or so by it, just by way of this crisis. But our day-to-day life is keeping uh, that gender gap just so far from reach right now. And we really need to, those of us that really get this and will care about it, you know, I, I hope you'll, I'll invite you to read the book and just start seeing where you plug into those habits that I mentioned of inequality in chapter six, see where you plug in because it's those people that, those are the only people who are going to open my book to begin with right now, but you know they're still plugging into inequality. And if we can get us and we are the majority, I so believe that. we are the majority that want equality, believe in equality, you know are literally dying for equality, you know, in our homes and on the streets and on campuses around this country, open up the book and and check out those habits of inequality. see where you're plugging in, and then, check out the seven habits of equality and start plugging into those. You know, I'm a health coach. And so when you plug into the habits of health, you'll crowd out the habits of disease. So that's what I'm asking for here.
0: And what book are we talking about? We are talking Uh,
1: about (laughs) Call Me a Woman on Our Way to Equality and Peace.
0: And that's the only way, in my humble opinion, that's the only way that we're going to get there.
1: Thank you, Katie. You're awesome. Really appreciate you today. I really do. Great to know you. You're, that you're out there.
0: Well, I, I'm trying to do this every day, and and uh, that's why it's important to have people like you on that are committed and have uh, with passion and gusto. You've committed your life to this cause of making it okay for women to be women.
1: And you know, I may be committed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that might not be around the corner, you know. I mean, that would have been years ago, right? But for, hopefully not. But if I disappear, please come looking for me. But yeah, no, I am on a mission and I joke about it a lot because I was raised by the funniest father in the world. He was a great loving father and he we just laughed all the time, you know. It's a serious topic, but I do like to bring a little bit of, you know, humor to it because we are human beings, we are not perfect, right? We have flaws. But you know, when we make when we're transparent about it, that's the only way. And and we're vulnerable and so forth and so on. You know, all those good things. That's when we're gonna really make the biggest difference. So
0: and Lori, if somebody wants to go to your website, where would they go?
1: Yeah, well, I, I've got a couple, but callmeawomanbook.com. Call me a woman book. Don't forget book.com. I, I had a company do a beautiful website, so check that out. And then Laurie online.
0: Laurie Levin dot online and then and then you can also pick up the book at Amazon and, Barnes and, and, and
1: Noble. Uh I, yeah, you can go online either place. Yep. Yeah.
0: And I suggest
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're
0: a woman, I suggest that you take this book and you put it on your husband's pillow. <laughs> and that- <laughs> Now, it's there would required be
1: a reading, baby. Or you know what's not going to happen tonight.
0: <laughs> exactly. We and that's one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about is the power that that um, that sex has been weaponized in in our culture, and and it really needs to. We need to figure it out so that we don't use it as a weapon, both as a man and as a woman, and we use it for what it was actually intended for, which okay. is a a loving relationship.
1: Right. Right. Couldn't agree more. No, I love it. And, you know, when you look at statistics in war and so forth, the rape statistics go up because, again, it is a weapon uh, that men have used. And they actually are impregnating women to, you know, get rid of races, certain races and groups of people, ethnic groups around the world, all that's been going on. But what did our representative out of New York recently say when the insurrection happened? Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, right? What did she say? Her, her first fear was that she would be raped and then killed. And right. that's what, what happens because it has been weapon, weaponized. And men in a group who are angry like that, that tends to happen when women are in their sights. So absolutely. Um, you know, is there's a better day ahead, but it is going to take all of us that really are open to change and ready for change. Do a little bit of work. We got to get a little uncomfortable. You guys are going to have to get really uncomfortable to, to really take on your accountability. You may not be violent. You may not ra- ra- have raped anybody yourself. I'm, that's most of men. I know that most men are not violent, but there certainly are too many if we're the 10th most dangerous country in the world, right to be female. But men have got to start really owning up and saying, yeah, I'm part of this, just like white people need to say, I'm part of this. I need to look and get uncomfortable to see where I can create more diversity and give up some of this privilege that I have. Look around in the workforce. Everybody looks like you. Do something about it, right? Do something about it.
0: <laughs> exactly. It's like uh, um, we tend to think that if if you are young and attractive, that you may um you, you may have to worry about being sexually abused or raped, but it tra- it goes all up and down the the age spectrum, and none of that matters because it's not about sex often it's yeah. about power
1: it's, well then, rape is always about power, yeah, yeah, rape is about power, and that we get, that goes back to that male identity so let's embrace a new identity, a human identity, please humanity because don't, I, th- I do th- believe now the planet you know the sustainability of the planet depends upon it on us we we look at the gender gap and when you see the countries that are closing that they're best on the environment women are absolutely critical in the solutions and um, melinda gates is is working on that i just loved her book moment of lift i always like to give credit to other authors and books because the more people read these you'll understand you'll see the direct connection we have women uh and And the input that we have in terms of agriculture, we're working 76%, I think, of agriculture, we work it, yet their input was not being taken in. And now that it is, we are transforming so many processes in the world that will save this planet. So uh, great conversation. I I love this because this is my passion in this last chapter of my life. I'm dedicating to this and being part of this wonderful conversation. So I could do this all day long.
0: Be still, my foolish heart. Do you mean to tell me that women are smart?
1: Very smart. Oh, my gosh. Watch out. There'll be a woman sitting in your spot in about an hour.
0: Well, you know, I, I have to tell I'm you. I'm sorry.
1: They haven't told you yet, but it's coming.
0: I'm out of here, baby. Uh, <laughs> somebody, somebody can do it better and is probably better looking and nicer and all that kind of good stuff anyway. Um,
1: you're pretty good at what you're doing. I just want to say we need uh, more of you out in the world. I'll say it back to you as well. I really mean that bottom of my heart.
0: I appreciate it very much because I'm, it's, it's, it's kind of becoming a passion of mine mm-hmm. because I believe in, in kindness and taking care of each other. And it just, it, it makes me so sad that, that we, as we look at ourselves as the best country in the world, that we have the best health care that we take care of mm-hmm. each other. Well, we've got 16 million kids that are in poverty today that are not eating in the United States of America. We've got people that are scared to walk down the street at 6 o'clock at night because of what somebody else may do to them. It's We have got a lot of work to do to fix. Uh, what, and, and I think that our country needs to fundamentally change. We have to virtually tear it down and change it. I don't mean um, revolutionary-wise yes. or to cause a revolution, but sure. we need to really cool. rethink from the bottom up of how we raise our kids. And just go, go get the book, call me a woman, our way to equality and peace because on our way,
1: on our on way. way. Yeah. Yes.
0: On our way to, I forgot that one word on our way to the quality and uh, equality and peace, because I really believe that if we can accomplish that, then we will have peace.
1: We will, we will we'll save the planet on at the same time. So it's, it's an amazing, they go hand in hand, they go hand in hand.
0: It's one o'clock in the afternoon in Seattle. It is now 90 degrees in my house. Uh, 75% of the houses do not have air conditioning. And uh, this is going to be the fourth day in a month and a half that we've hit 100 degrees, um, which is unheard of here. The, the climate is changing, it's changing fast. And if we don't fix it fast, we're going to be in big time trouble. And we, in order to do that, we need all hands on deck.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Think about all the potential that has been, right? kept back from all all the solutions, all the, all the solutions that would have, we would have known of years and years and decades and decades ago that we have kept either because of our race or our gender. Wow. We need all hands on deck. I think I do say that in the book as well, or at least most hands on deck. Right.
0: Exactly. Well, you know, I was just thinking how many Einstein's or, or, or brilliant people ended up, um, being a housewife because they didn't feel like they could do anything, or they weren't allowed to flourish the way that they need to. What has society lost because of that?
1: Well, the, you know, when you say housewife, if that woman raised children, she might have done that through her children. That's, that to me is the most incredible role on the planet that you can play because yes. to frame, mm-hmm. we're creating future generations. So I wanna just acknowledge all the parents uh, because that's an extraordinary job. It's, it's a tough role, right? I'm a parent and it's not an easy role to take on when you really are wanting to shape and create the future. And that's how I thought of it. So I fed my daughter healthy food. Um, you know, I got her into activities and schools that I, you know, could get her into, did everything I could so that she has a quality of life. She was in a diverse Montessori school by design. I wanted her with kids from all over the world Her middle school and high school were extraordinary in St. Louis. It was the most diverse group of kids. From all walks of life. They were incredible and brilliant kids who are now all over the world doing amazing things, as is she. So, you know, you might not have that opportunity to put them in a diverse school. I get that. But make sure those history books, you know, I went in and I looked at those history books my daughter, the teachers were giving her. Did it include women's history? How did it treat, you know, history? Was she going to learn the same old, same old? And in that school, of course, that wasn't the case. They actually picked history books that were from the minds, from the viewpoint of the oppressed the oppressed not the oppressors. so check those things out really really you know like data mining right get in there and, and get into the weeds there with those kids to make sure we're not just continuing the same old same old the status quo is what's killing us we got to move beyond it
0: and i do want to i do want to uh, give a shout out to what i consider to be the hardest job in the world and that is being a single mother of of kids when the, the the gentleman who had an equal part in creating that situation decides to walk away and not give child support and not support that's the toughest job in the world because they have to do it all and most of them do incredible job doing it and uh but we need to support them better
1: yeah thank you thank you kevin i really appreciate that and so, i i just uh want to uh, reiterate the same thing and say, that you know, my heart goes out to single parents, it's a tough road. Uh, and I'll tell you, it impoverishes more women. And I went through that myself, I left my corporate job and, um, and then got divorced. And it was just 10 years, I was sleepless on figuring out how I was going to pay for this and keep her in that school that I wanted her so much And pay the mortgage and pay the pet food. I was sleepless for about a decade. So it was a hard road and one of the things one of the reasons that i thought the book was so important because that shouldn't be a gender thing (laughs) you know it shouldn't be a people thing to begin with but it certainly shouldn't fall on the backs the burden shouldn't be held mostly by women to raise the future generations of the world we we got to discontinue that thought process
0: and we need to work together and to take care of each other
1: absolutely big hug to you my friend
0: well, big hug to you too. By the way, we normally have wrapped this up by now, but this has just been en- enchanting. So <laughs> sorry
1: to keep you, but I'm glad for it too. It was it was great. I really appreciate you so very much. Thank you, fun. Kevin.
0: But and go get the book Call Me a Woman on Our Way to Equality and Peace. Is that better?
1: That's that's great. May I send you a copy, by the way, <laughs> Kevin?
0: I'd love it. I'd love a copy. My my, I'll give it to my and son. That
1: way you'll get that title right. I want you to say it every morning, right? And after I will,
0: I, and I and I will. And uh, so again, we've been talking to Lori Levine, right? Levin,
1: damn it! <laughs> I'll,
0: I'll get it one of these days. Levin, Rhymes Levine. with
1: heaven. Rhymes with heaven.
0: Oh, now there I could have figured it out. There that, you that go. Would, that would be good. Now, uh, so I, I get, again, your website again is
1: callmeawomanbook.com is for the book, give you more insights and information on the book and then uh, some reviews as well. And then Laurie Levin dot online.
0: Laurie, if you'll wait right there, I've got to do this and I'll be right back.
1: Okay, great. Hey,
0: and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool.